Okay, fans, welcome to yet another episode of the Blues Brothers podcast, the show that discusses all things football and, of course, Chelsea FC with guests, in-depth match analysis and much, much more. Our guest for this afternoon's edition of the podcast is a content creator, vlogger, who has taken social media by storm. With over 20,000 YouTube subscribers and over 3 million views on the platform, not only a huge Chelsea fan following, but also a football nut. We are delighted to welcome Ian Craig to the show. Um, how are you, Ian, uh, first of all? And how did you become a Chelsea supporter? Because uh, we know after just speaking to you very briefly before coming off air, you've now reached the bucket list of becoming a season ticket holder at uh, Stamford Bridge as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm all good. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I'm, I live in northwest London, so, well, west London. Chelsea fan through and through. Um Went with my dad, age, God, uh, six or seven, I think it was, I went uh, to my first game, which would have been the kind of early stages of the Mourinho era. Um, yeah, so really kind of just got on from there. Um, but yeah, massive influence from my dad. My dad influenced by his brother. Um, didn't grow up with a hell of a lot of money. So I've been going for Chelsea for a fair few years, but it was the only thing they could really afford to go to. And obviously now it's turned into a completely different machine. So uh yeah, it's been um, it's been a great of twenty or so years, whatever it is, just under twenty years supporting Chelsea for me so far. But I know it necessarily hasn't been all sunshine and rainbows before that for family members and various different people. But yeah, that's my kind of starting block. It's probably many people's is is the the dad or the uncle or some you know male father figure kind of uh, just getting you in and setting you up for either a life of massive enjoyment or massive misery normally. I'd love to say that we've kind of been through the, the struggle, but really, as, as fans, I mean, we're all of a similar age, apart from maybe a few seasons under Claudio Ranieri, maybe just a bit previous, really, we've had we've had the fruits of everyone's labour, really, of all the success, and uh, we'll look mm -hmm. back on it, and I wonder where Chelsea will be in 20 or so years' time, but we love what you do, and I'm, I'm a personal subscriber to your YouTube channel, okay. um, and, you, and you can find... Um, he, you know, he's, he's labelled as Crago, that's all I refer to him as, but... Um, all of the, the post-match analysis, he does kit reveals, all sorts, and it's all very regular. Um, and he definitely brings his opinions across, there's no doubt about that, which uh, must bring in the punters. So um, definitely give it a look out. We'll obviously uh, link you below and uh, we'll, we'll plug that um, at the end of the podcast. But we've got to start, Craig, as, as we do always with the latest action, which was the start. Um, the convincing 3-0 win over Aston Villa, which is a side who we, send, we tend to get quite a lot of goals against. Um, mm. An amazing goal record. Um, and just before we came on, actually thought I saw it, I heard a stat actually that we're only us and Manchester United have got 600 plus goals in the Premier League era so we, we, we hit that mile mark so just um just wanted to get your thoughts because you were at the game Greg yeah. and um what a complete clinical performance it was and um of course the main man Lukaku doing what he does best yeah yeah I, I thought it was prime textbook kind of champions performance that actually um mm. of course we started sound equates and there's a lot that can be made of it didn't have a great debut but it doesn't make a difference because we had in at half-time one nil up and it could have been a hell of a lot different. Um, and the reason why we weren't is because of the main man and someone who I loved the signing when he came in about a year ago, um, Edouard Mendy, man, keeps us in the game. And 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 that's all you've got to do with these like top-level games of football is keep yourself in with a, win it, a chance to win it. And then someone like Lukaku, some of these big luxury players that you've got can come up with the goods. And that's exactly what happened. You know, it was a mistake from Aston Villa for the second goal. Um, even Kovacic got on the score sheet, which is, you know, <laughs> very much a rarity. I'm a very big fan of Kovacic, but um, yeah, that, a massive, massive rarity. And then again, Lukaku kind of finishes it off. And 
I don't want to say, you know, the three nil kind of papers over the cracks or such, but, you know, I do think for sure that it, I think certain people have reacted to it going, oh, it was absolutely dominant and we were this, 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 and we thoroughly deserved it. There was times we could have been behind, um, especially in the first half. And, and kind of my kind of takeaway from the game is that these games will happen. And if you can get them out of the way early doors, you know, we had an international break, players weren't allowed to play, you know, Mason Mount had played a lot of minutes, he got rested, Champions League game to deal with, of course, tomorrow night. Um, there was a lot of potential banana skin moments from this game of football. And we dealt with it. Um, and that and that's all that matters. And again, moving forward, no one will really remember this game. It'll be a 3-0 and it was what it was, but it, we still got through it. It's another three points to add. And, and that three points at the end of the season might be massive. You don't know how close it's going to be. So I'm very, very happy, but I don't want to just get carried away just yet because I know what I want to see. And it's coming, but it just wasn't there for me on Saturday. Yeah, because the, these are the sort of games that, you know, if you're going to, win a Premier League title, which hopefully we are going to do this season, you cannot be afford to drop in points at home to teams, yeah. no disrespect to them, but the likes of Aston Villa. And in previous years, you know, those are the sort of things that we perhaps would have done. Um, mm -hmm. You did mention that, obviously, they had a lot of, they had some quite good chances where they could have easily taken the lead or gone in level, a particular chance to Ollie Watkins, where Thiago Silva does some brilliant defending. How impressed have you been, Craig, with how... Thomas Tuchel has just transformed the defence with the same players because our defensive record is absolutely outstanding now. And I just, I'm just so surprised because we haven't really made any additions to that squad defensively. Mm. And yet you literally go into every game thinking, we're not going to let a goal in. Well, I love American football. I'm a very big American football fan. And there is a phrase in American football, American sports in general, that defence wins championships. And one thing that we were struggling with is people were getting exposed. Jorginho, obviously, he's one player, uh, European player of the year, but he was getting exposed because he's not necessarily that fast. You've then got maybe Christensen and Rudiger, who've got their own deficiencies themselves. They were playing as a pairing. Thiago Silva is a bit slow. You have a back four and you've got those two isolated by themselves, you're going to have problems. You compare that to maybe Liverpool, who have Van Dijk and Matip or Van Dijk and Gomez. Van Dijk is going to make up for all those. He is the perfect centre-half. But you what? I mean, what Chelsea have done, it's very simple. It's defensive-minded football that we had under Conte. It's making sure we're all right going that way and then focusing on going forward. Um, and we won the Champions League last year. I mean, which it sounds bizarre. We won the Champions League last year and we didn't have a single forward nominated for the European Player of the Year, which sounds nuts because normally, you know, years gone by, it's been Barcelona or Bayern Munich and Lewandowski's won it and all these people. And normally the names that get remembered are the big men up front. We didn't have that. Um, and Thomas Tuchel has done an incredible job by just doing what sounds very obvious, but it's just safety in numbers. You know, it's allowing Jorginho and Kante to do what they do best, which is keep the ball. And if Jorginho does lose it, you've then got three people behind him that's going to be able to stop it rather than two, both of which might be out of position. The idea is that if one of them is, you know, maybe a little bit wrong, whether it be Zuma previously or it's been uh, Thiago Silva, maybe gets kind of a little bit caught out pace-wise, things like that. It stops, you know, it happened against West Brom last year and we did get found out and we did cause ourselves our own problems. But if you can kind of get rid of that stuff early doors, you're going to give your chance, yourself a chance to win games of football. And as I keep coming back to it, all you've got to do is just give yourself a fighting chance. And if you ain't conceding goals, you've always got a chance to, wick a, to nick a 1-0 or a 2-0 or a 2-1 if it does go to that. You know, and, and Thomas Tuchel has done an incredible job by just playing to his strengths. You know, we've got some incredible forwards. You know, we spent a lot of money on forwards last year. But we have three up top, and this is what England really should have done in the Euros. 
we have the people up top. If they are good enough, they will score goals. Lukaku clearly wasn't necessarily brilliant on Saturday, scored twice. Two opportunities, took both of them. Mason Mount creates a lot of opportunities, so does Werner, uh, so does Havertz. You could pick any one of those players up top. They're fine. They're looking after themselves. But you've now got five defensive-minded players, plus then Jorginho and Kante, that can do a bit of both. And it's just a perfect mix. You don't have to go and win every single game by scoring eight goals. You can win games 1-0 and 2-0. And Thomas Tuchel is very educated in doing that. And it's probably why it didn't really work out for him at PSG, because he didn't have that same defensive stability. He had all the people going forward. He had Mbappe, he had Neymar, but he still struggled with his back four. Now playing with a back three, and when we want it to be a back five, it, it just it just deals with every potential outcome that could come from any, op- any, any opponent that throws whatever it is at you. And it, it's just a very stylish way of playing. It might not necessarily be you know, sexy football or whatever, but it's stylish because all we want to do, and it's, you know, this is football, this is a results-driven business, we want to win games. And if you don't concede goals, you are going to win games. I just wanted to ask you just a couple of questions on a, on a few players very briefly before we move on. Um, obviously, you mentioned we saw the debut of Sal Maguez. Firstly, how important do you think bringing him in on deadline day was for the kind of the balance of the squad, particularly given that N'Golo Kante is picking up a few injuries? We're likely to have a big 60 to 70 game season with all the various competitions we're in. Mm. How important do you feel that signing was to get that done? I mean, I look at our midfield options now. I I, I would love Loftus-Cheek to work out, as would I, I would love Barkley. But realistically, I don't think they're going to be the players that we need moving forward. So bringing in someone like Sao Niguez, we've really got kind of a midfield five options to play proper centre midfield. Kovacic, Jorginho, Kante, Sao Niguez, and I would throw Chalibur in there as well. I think that's a really nice group. Um, Sound of is a little bit taller as well. That's going to help out massively. Um, sometimes I do feel we get popped a little bit and you can play aerial balls that we miss out on. Sound of I think, is six foot or six foot one. Um, so hopefully he can try and you know help out with that. But we did need depth. And obviously we lost Billy Gilmore, who I wouldn't necessarily class as a depth player because obviously he is so young and he is so small and he's got a long way to develop. And we've brought in someone that could be a guaranteed starter for us, depends on how he plays. Um, and again, with Sao Niguez, there's no, you know, it's no obligation. So if it doesn't work out, we go, OK, it is what it is. We bring Billy Gilmore back or we maybe bring someone else in. If it does work out, it's a fantastic acquisition that we're going to have. And we can get him for, I think, 35 million quid. Um, it, it's a great situation to be in. It was definitely something that was needed. Um, again, it might not be sexy. It might not be, you know, the high, you know, high drama ones when we've had Torres or various different people. But it was someone that did a job. And that's what Sound Aguez is going to do. Had a tough debut, but he'll get into the flow of it. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him play against Zenit, actually. Yeah, I just wanted to quickly ask you again about another player who got his kind of first minutes of the season, obviously through Reese James's suspension. Myself and George have kind of disagreed on this over, over the transfer window. We saw Callum Hudson-Odoi back in the starting lineup for the mm-hmm. first time this season. What did you think of his performance, firstly? And secondly, did you think the club did the right thing by keeping him this season, or do you feel he should have been allowed to let, to leave on loan? I would never have given him the contract, to be honest with you, that massive contract that he's on, and it has caused problems. Um, I actually thought he was very poor the other night. Um, I think that he and Chalaba next to each other did not work, um, and, and I think that he... He, he hasn't got the defensive know-how to be able to play the right wing back. He is young. He can develop that. 
but if you've got to develop one or the other with Chalaber and him, Chalaber is the better option to play at centre-back rather than him to play at wing-back. And I think that he won't get a look in it. it was the only reason he actually did play is because Azpilicueta had played for Spain and needed to have a little bit of a rest because of the big game tomorrow night. Um, but I... I, I like him as a, as a player, but I think I need I need to see more. And I think that loan to Germany would have been fantastic. I think it would have been brilliant for him. However, I just don't know whether we're going to get that. You know, the the big number that was thrown out there a couple of years ago was the seventy million quid from Bayern. And I don't know if I'm ever going to see a seventy million pound player. I would love to, but that money could have been spent and done so many different things and. I just I want to see Callum Hudson-Odoi do what he does best, which was in the Europa League season. He was going forward. But again, at the same time, that was also the Europa League. And we're now champions of Europe in the Champions League. It's two completely different kettles of fish. And the injury, again, it's, it's frustrating. It's annoying. But I would just love to see more from him. And I don't know if I'm going to see it. And I think if you would have sent him to Germany, you definitely would have seen it. And if you didn't, you'd have known what you had. And I think that would have been a really wise thing to do. But we didn't necessarily have the squad depth. So I can understand, you know, why he would go. And obviously the Reese James red card is, you know, it's it's harsh, it's tough. And as PB and out, it's going to happen. But there's a lot of games to play. Again, squad depth is going to be massive and and he does need to play games for us. I just don't know if it's at right wing back. Yeah, and on a weekend that obviously Cristiano Ronaldo's return with two goals dominated the headlines. Probably mm-hmm. Lukaku obviously let us and everyone know that you know, he's still he's still knocking about. He's to be taken seriously. He's going to score a lot of goals. How impressed have you been with his start to his second Chelsea career, as it were? And do you feel his goals can win us the league this season? Yeah, I, I do. Um, and we've lost, you know, obviously we lost uh, Tammy Abraham. That's seven goals. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's really simple. In terms of league goals, I mean, our top scorer last year was about five different players, all with seven goals. Lukaku's played three games for us and has already scored three goals. You know, we're halfway there, you know, and and it, it sounds really basic and really irritating, but we are halfway there um, in terms of getting that big name centre forward and doing what we've done last year. You need to have a couple of people, of course, popping up with goals and Jorginho isn't going to get seven again this year because I think Lukaku will take penalties. Um, but I do think he is the kind of guy that we needed. And, and the problem that I had with Kai Havertz playing up front, he's a fantastic footballer, but the idea they had with him is that he could be the target man. He's the taller one. He's the one that's going to be able to hold the ball up, maybe, and then kind of link up with other people. But everyone wants to score tappings. Everyone wants to score the easy goals. And again, it's part of football. It is, it is going to happen. But I would struggle to have massive confidence in, obviously, going back to last year's squad, Tammy Abraham, Werner, Kai Havertz. I'd struggle to have any confidence in any of the three of them to score goals from outside the box. And Lukaku clearly showed on Saturday that he can do that. Um, and if you want to score goals in various different ways and win in the league, you have to be able to do it all. And Lukaku is more capable of doing it all and also helping other people do it all in comparison to Timo Werner or to uh, Tammy Abraham and to Havertz as well. Havertz is going to be useful and there will be games that Lukaku probably will miss, maybe rest him here and there. And I do think we've got a good option in Havertz, but if you just become very samey, people are going to find you out. And that did happen to us at points last season. And I just think, I just do think that, you know, we've done a hell of a lot in terms of youth recruitment. Um, we're having, you know, Mason Mount, uh, obviously Reese James. 
I'm, I'm going to count Azpilicueta because it basically costs us nothing and he's been in the club since forever. Andreas Christensen, there's loads of players. We've done incredible business from young ages and getting people that are going to come right the way through, whether it be Azpi or Mason Mount and Andreas Christensen, we can see at the club for a long period of time that we can afford to go and spend £100 million on Lukaku and not care. Because that's the thing that's going to add us you know, take us that next step up. We've already done the business we need to do elsewhere. We can afford to spend the money on that big name player because we've saved it in so many other areas as well. I just think Lukaku was the perfect fit. I personally, I would have loved Haaland. I think he's going to be another one that's really going to progress up. But I mean, you look at what it means to Lukaku and that, that's what you want. You want fight, you want determination. It's, it's fantastic to see. And you talk about winning leagues and... Um taking that step up we of course uh, this week begin our defence of the Champions League title mm-hmm. but it sounds strange saying that the, the defence it almost seems that we just took it for a, a little bit for granted that it wasn't really big news but it's just been such a whirlwind of things that have just come so thick and fast particularly with the Euros but kick off the defence of the Champions League I mean so difficult to say Craigo but you know what, what are your expectations going into this one because when we had to defend one last time we obviously exited via the group stage and we can't really be asking seriously to go back to back. Very few teams do that. But we we do seem to have a stronger squad um, than we did when we actually won it. But I suppose sometimes it's just a, a chance of moments coming together and it all it all seems to pan out and the best sides don't necessarily always win the Champions League. We know that. But um, are you excited about the prospect of possibly going deep again? Do you want to know my honest opinion? Yeah, go on. I genuinely think we're going to win it again. Really? I genuinely think we're going to win it again. And I I have a little bit of hesitation in saying that because it can get clipped up and whatever. But I just, I I think (laughs) that there's going to be a couple of teams in the league that are going to be really, really good. And we might be there, thereabouts, might just miss out on it. But I just have this real thought that the way that we played, again, it's two, you know, two-legged affairs. None of this home and away goal nonsense anymore. Just deal with two games of football. And that's something that I think that we can do. And I think there might be times where maybe we become a little bit unstuck in the league and we will have the odd game. We go, oh, that's terrible. And we will be right up there, right at the end of it. But I have this weird feeling that it will be us again, um, just because we can afford, we could potentially afford to put all our eggs in one basket. Um, I think if it's one of those ones where we're going to see, you know, if it's us, uh, us, Man City, Man United, if it's all going to be up there, we're all going to be fighting, it's all going to be five points in it, maybe not. But, I think we are going to be a better side this year than we were last year. And I think last year, one thing that we really excelled at is keeping clean sheets and making sure that we are in games. And we did all that without a centre forward. And I think that certain people, you know, am I allowed to swear on here? Yeah, yeah, whatever, mate. I think people are going to be, the old shit factor is going to come in because exactly what we did last year is going to kind of come into play again, plus then adding Lukaku. And I think they know that whether they want Lukaku to go and score two, three goals a game, which I don't think he's going to do all the time, but if they do want him to score once or twice and then defend and help out in that area, I think people are going to be really struggling to deal with that. And I think people are going to have to come up with ideas to beat Chelsea. And I'm not necessarily sure that a lot of teams can do it. And by the time that you can play the English teams, it might already be too late. I, I, do, I, do, I mean, I, I'm not sure we'll win it again, but I do think we're very well equipped to go deep into this competition again. You know, yeah. you look at the you look at the teams across Europe that could win it. Barcelona are in big problems, nowhere near as good as they used to be. Real Madrid are kind of in a rebuilding phase still. Obviously, Carlo Ancelotti back, they might do a little bit better, but they're nowhere near as good as they used to be. 
Yeah. I mean, Bayern Munich are a threat, but they haven't really done, they haven't won a Champions League, or they have won the Champions League a couple of years ago. But, you know, I feel we yeah. can beat them. Um, and then you're it looking is. at it, the Italian sides, Juventus are shocking this season so far at yeah. the moment. AC Milan back for the first time in a while. And obviously Inter Milan have lost Hakimi and obviously Lukaku to us. So you look at it and you're thinking, realistically, PSG maybe with Neymar, Messi, Mbappe situation, this could finally be their opportunity. But then you're really looking at it and you think, okay, Chelsea and probably Manchester City. I think Man United don't haven't got enough quality in, in the middle of the park. I don't think they've got a good enough manager. But there's not really many other teams that I would say we're in the top three favourites to, to perhaps go and do it again. Yeah, I, I think what, what could be dangerous is, again, the teams that could put all their eggs in one basket. Mm. So someone like Liverpool, who may not be up there to challenge for the Premier League, as long as they get top four, they could potentially go on and look to win the Champions League again. But I mean, you're, you're looking at teams, and again, it, I, I, said it, I said it before and I'll say it again, defence wins championships. Mm. You look at all the money that PSG have spent, all on forwards. Everyone's a forward. They got Ramos on a free, which is fair enough. But you look at the two fullbacks they've got, both go forward. So you're relying on Marquinhos and Ramos to be able to deal with everything that any team might throw at you, which I can't see happening. Got Donnarumma, but Donnarumma got beaten in, in games in the Euros. Um, could become a problem for them kind of later down the line. I wouldn't want to put all my eggs in one basket with saying he is going to be the saviour. But, I mean, Bayern Munich are obviously always going to be strong and they are in that luxury position where the Bundesliga is pretty much wrapped up for them every single season, which is obviously annoying, but um, I don't look at them and think they're the same force. Again, defensively, they could have problems. Manchester City have got a decent defence, but you look at Walker and Cancelo and everything that's happening with Mendy and whatever, all they want to do is go forward and it's all about scoring loads of goals. And sometimes I think that they do lack. Liverpool are the one that do kind of like test me because they've got obviously a decent goalkeeper. They've got Van Dijk. They can go forward. But there's all these teams have potential holes that could be exploited, as do we. But I feel like we're like one or two where there is, I mean, I've rattled off a handful for each team. And I just do think we are going to be one of these teams that just annoyingly gets their way through the competition until it's a problem for everyone else. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely possible. I was just going to get your thoughts on the group. Obviously, we've got Zenit St. Petersburg who we kick off against tomorrow night. Ironically, the final this year is in St. Petersburg. So... Ah. Mate, mate, could, could be oh, an omen. Who could be an omen? Who knows? We've got obviously we've got Juventus without Cristiano Ronaldo. Poor start to the season. Seems to really be struggling. And then we're also joined by Swedish side Malmo. I mean, what's your thoughts on that group? I mean, it's a group that realistically we should be topping. Yeah, well, we mullered Malmo, didn't we, in the mm. Europa League? And they're not going to be that dissimilar of the side. Um, so we should be able to see them off quite comfortably. Zenit are a decent side. You know, they're not to be taken as any mugs, but Again, if you have any real serious ambitions of winning it, you should be doing both legs over them. Um, annoyingly, I think our last game in the group is away in St. Petersburg, I think. Um, if you don't have to play a full-strength side for that, then why bother? It's going to come down to the two games against Juve. Um, and Juve, are, you know, they are struggling this year, but they are a team that could potentially turn it on for one or two games. And then they look at it and go, oh, that season was a massive success. I do think we are good enough to beat them. And I think the Ronaldo factor, you know, was really kind of disproved by Porto last year, who knocked them out. Um, they had the big name players, you know, in Ronaldo and Dybala and whatever, but they shut them down. They, they shut them down. They didn't really have a look in. And they, again, Porto kind of bullshitted their way through, but they still got through. 
we don't have to get through against Juve. We need to pick up a draw and a win. And that's something that we can definitely do. You know, and if we get a draw and a win against them, we top the group. And I think it is that simple. Um, there is a handful of groups that have got a couple of tasty sides. So finishing first or second actually might not make a hell of a lot of difference depending on who tops the group elsewhere. Because um, there are going to be some very tough games in the round of 16. But, you know, if you get a little bit of luck or, you know, you play a team that maybe shouldn't have got through or they got through in the weakest group, um, I think we, I think we can move right into the latter stages of it. I do. I really do think we can win this tournament. But the group, for me, should be a walk in the park. It's obviously going to be a tough test against Juve, but it's one that I do think we should be able to deal with. Yeah, I think last season, I mean, last season as well, and I mean, George discussed this quite a lot, is that, yes, we did it outstanding to win it, but I know, I know you've got to play everyone and you can't help the draw, but we were very fortunate with the draw we got along the way to making the final, you know, avoiding the yeah. big sides in the other half of the draw. I know we played a Atletico Madrid who yeah. really offered nothing. We then obviously had Porto and then out of the other semi-final, I suppose, Real Madrid, no mugs, mm. but it wasn't a great Real Madrid side, but you obviously still got to beat them. So we were helped a little bit there. Mm. And But I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't fear us, you know, drawing a big side in the last 16. So as I said, you've got to play everyone anyway. So whether mm. you play them in the final or whether you play them in the round of 16, um, it's almost irrelevant. And I think there being no away goals this season is going to make a big difference. Yeah, but, um, so I, and I'm really pleased to see that rule go. I just wish they'd get rid of extra time as well and just go straight to the penalties. But I mean, <laughs> we can't ask for too much. But just to wrap up this little section, George, I'll come to you first. I know he's kind of like head on the chopping block almost, but to pick a winner for this season's Champions League, who are you going to go with? Oh, who did I say already? I can't even... I, th I, th I think I said to you, um, from all the finals that we've uh, seen, you tend to, when you get to this final on your second opportunity, you tend to take it. And we've seen that with, with Chelsea as well. So I hate to say it, but I think Manchester City might go one step, one step more. Um, I just feel that they can almost play two or three sides in, in different competitions. They've got the squad depth. Um, maybe I think their biggest downfall is like PSG, where they're a bit almost obsessed by it. Um, which Chelsea were for a long time. And sometimes that that plays in your mind because, it, you, like uh, Craigo said, it's putting all your eggs in one basket and then actually becomes a, a negative um, rather than just kind of going with emotions. But I'll have to go Manchester City. And Craigo, you're going to go, obviously, you're going to go for Chelsea, are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll go for Chelsea. I do. I think, I mean, if you wanted me to pick a, another side, I would mm. probably say someone else will probably would be PSG. But yeah. um, again, I, I do think they have got their deficiency. So mm. um, I, I do think that. Any side in this tournament is very much there for the taking. So I will back Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to say Chelsea. Um, I think we'll do very well. Ultimately, I'm going to have to go with someone different. I do think, and I've, I've said it a couple of years before, I do think this year, it has to be this year for PSG. I mean, I think they probably had the best transfer window possibly ever in, in football for as long as I can remember. They've now got Lionel Messi. There's now no excuses not to win the Champions League for PSG. They've got everything they could possibly need. So, you know, I feel this could be the season they do it. But obviously, I'd love, I'd love Chelsea to do it. But obviously, you have to wait and see what happens with that one. But yeah, just moving slightly away from football now. Obviously, you've got a very big following on YouTube. Just a little bit going into that. How did you get into YouTube in the first place? How did that kind of all start for you? It, weird one. It was, it was an ex-girlfriend of mine. Um, I was just finishing college. Um, so I was 18 and there was this kind of competition, well, I say competition, it was this little kind of project running with Pro Direct Soccer. Uh, and they just said that they're looking for people who can 
kind of show their passion for football. And I studied a, a football course at college and I was actually working for Nike and working in a Nike store was my first job. Um, so I kind of knew what I needed to know about the football side of things. And I knew obviously Pro Direct Soccer knew about their boots um, and obviously sell their boots. And that's kind of their main go-to thing. Um, so I just went, you know, I saw this thing and I was like, I could do that. I totally could do that. And my ex-girlfriend kind of was the one that gave me the push. Um, so I went to the ladies FA Cup final, the women's FA Cup final, uh, which was Man City and Birmingham, I think. Or no, no, I, I like it. it was the Chelsea Arsenal one that we lost. Um, Chelsea Arsenal one that we lost. And I just made a little minute vlog of it. Um, and people liked it. Pro Direct liked it. They shared it on their thing. And, and I got a buzz off it. And I just kind of thought I'm just going to keep going and keep going. And at the time, Instagram only allowed you to share a minute. Um, so I was like, oh, OK, I've done this really cool thing, but I kind of feel like I should do more than a minute on it because there's a lot of stuff that I can't fit in. Um, so I started a YouTube channel and just started to kind of grow from there. And and it did, it was a long old slog. It was a really, really long time. I think I started doing my YouTube stuff in about 2016. Um, and by the time the 2018 World Cup came around, I had 500 subscribers. So we are talking quite a while. Um, didn't really know what I wanted to do and, and how to do it and, and whatever. And it was very much just a hobby went to university, then started to take it a bit more seriously. And from 2018, I think it was end of 2018, that I hit a thousand subscribers. Um, so about 500, I've doubled basically what I'd done in two years and about six months. Um, and then started to think, yeah, I could really do something with this. And then of course it kind of goes and goes and goes. When you hit that thousand mark, it does seem to go a little bit quicker and people go, oh, okay. Someone's followed, there's reasons people are following him. And when you do get to those big milestone numbers, it does speed up the kind of next process but you know with especially a lot of my growth I mean going into the pandemic I was on I think I just hit 5,000 kind of couple of weeks into the pandemic uh, 5,000 subscribers and then TikTok came about and I thought oh one of these things should I give it a go should I jump on should I do whatever <laughs> uh, and it was actually a, pre a, a different girlfriend that basically said oh you couldn't do that you couldn't do that, you know, like, oh, you, you do it and it'd be, you know, kind of basically put me down, hence she's an ex-girlfriend. Um, and I just thought, sod it, I'm going to do it. And, and all of a sudden it just kind of went nuts and I hit 100k on, on TikTok in a matter of, I think it was about two months or so, really just kind of blew up. And obviously the YouTube kind of went with it and I've been very lucky and fortunate to do some very cool things with it. Yeah, I mean, I would kind of wish I'd spent my lockdown perhaps not doing <laughs> Boris Johnson impressions on YouTube on TikTok and uh maybe doing a bit more <laughs> maybe doing a bit more Chelsea stuff but uh but in terms of like obviously now you've got your you know your over 20,000 subscribers um quite a kind of a presence on the channel um you know obviously you went into sort of how you grew it um a little bit there there's obviously a lot of people that will be listening obviously including myself and George you know trying to you know grow grow a YouTube channel are there any kind of sort of maybe top three tips you would give obviously you mentioned like patience really anything like you know consistency of content etc the one thing i would say more than anything is passion bring passion to what you do and and, and i think people can appreciate it you know I've, I've grown a little bit off of taking the mick out of you know arsenal fan tv and expressions and whatever you know it's <laughs> of course it's is it a bit tactical because you're going after these big channels yeah of course it is but you know, I, I've, I've missed being in a workplace. I was furloughed for over a year with my job. Um, I've missed being in the workplace. And that's the kind of workplace banter that you would have. You know, it's that kind of something that, you know, you really enjoy. You know, the Americans call it like water cooler moments. You know, you just kind of like take a little bit of a dig and whatever and have, have fun and have a laugh. And, and that was the thing. And I think that's uh, something that really just kind of gets 
passed over is just enjoy what you're doing and bring passion to it. Um, if you see my Chelsea vlogs, I go mental every time Chelsea score because, I mean, I'm 23 years of age. You know, I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. So I want to make sure that those 23 years that I've had supporting Chelsea, I've done everything that I can to really enjoy it and really make the most out of it. Um, and, and that's a kind of, you know, a, a bit of a kind of drive that I've got would be just to put everything you can into it. Um, in terms of enjoying it, in terms of going through the motions. And, you know, when Lampard got sacked, unfortunately, I was a massive Lampard fan. Um, still am a massive Lampard fan. I'd love to have seen it work out. Obviously, it didn't, you know, and I was annoyed, you know, and 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 people obviously kind of, rece- you know, received it in different ways. And, you know, it is what it is. I can't control how they receive it. But for me, you know, I just put passion into what I do. And that would be the main thing that I would say was really dive into it really back whatever it is that you want to do and and go full you know fully into it and if it doesn't work out you can say you tried that that's the big thing i don't want to live with the whole regrets and i found like i'm doing like some facebook mum <laughs> quote or whatever but just go for it just really go for it you might it might be fun it might work out if it doesn't work out you gave it a go and you can hold your head up high but i would say massively bring passion that would be my absolute number one thing um consistency is key it's not necessarily making videos every single day and, and putting them out. It's about if you are going to do it, make sure they're good videos. You know, I could have reacted to every single Arsenal game last year, taking a piss out of Arsenal fan TV. But when they drew, maybe it wasn't as good as when they won or when they lost or whatever. Um, so I would definitely say about consistency is key. And it's not necessarily about always being the most, you know, uh, the most on it or the most, you know, um, kind of current and topical thing. But it's also about just making sure that when you do upload, it's a banger, something that you can go, yep, yeah, I'm really proud of that one. And if people, again, if people don't like it, don't make a difference. It doesn't make a difference because you're proud of it and you can control what you can control. Um, so, yeah, I'd say definitely passionate, uh, bring the passionate side is massively key. Consistency is ma- is huge. Um, and I, th- I think also as well, it's, it's, it's actually uh, it's understanding when to take time out as well there is a lot of people that just go oh, i'm gonna go for it i'm gonna go for it and then just burn out and i think you know i i did it after the euros i did i think i did about 75 videos during the euros it was all mental i watched every single game very much enjoyed it but i was knackered after it you know i've done vlogs i was up until two in the morning editing videos it does take it out of you um so i would also say you know one of the big things is also learn when it's not the right time to do it and that's only comes with doing it regularly and and learning about it you know there's a lot to learn from actually sometimes doing nothing um and as long as you can kind of keep your eyes open to that that's what you want to see and that's what that's where you're really going to start to grow and be proud of what you do i hope you've been taking notes charlie i have on my laptop just there we've got the recording as well it's not just for the listeners it's for us as well um craig what about where so we've talked about now and the tips to get started, but for, for you already having a, a huge base, where's where's the ceiling for you? I mean, obviously, what, where would you like to see yourself in so-called three to five years' time? What are your God, the plan? Your, oh, short-term um, plan, long-term plan? Hit me. I, I've got a degree in sports business and sports broadcasting. That's what my I did my degree in at UCFB at Wembley. I want to be on TV. Um, I, I love Soccer AM. I, and again, the, sem- the similar reason, they bring passion to everything they do. I, and I love that. And and that's the beauteous thing about this game of football is we can all care so much about it. Um, so for me, I'd love to be on Soccer AM. And, and I think, you know, I won't limit myself to only Soccer AM, but I'd love to be able to do whatever it is that I can do on TV. 
Um, I'd love the channel to go and get a million subscribers and we're going all have a massive old like party and whatever with it. But, you know, is talking about Chelsea alone going to get me to a million subscribers? Maybe not. Um, and, and that's the thing I'm kind of looking forward to is there's opportunities with this channel to go and work in different areas. Um, I do a lot. Well, I see Thogden quite a lot and he obviously started with doing Bolton stuff and gaming stuff. And now at the moment he's over in Spain watching La Liga. It's a really great, you know, opportunity for growth for him. And he's done very well with it. And, you know, it's someone that, you know, it's a channel that I aspire to be like maybe with Thogden. He wants to go and do this. He's going and doing it. You know, I shouldn't really be where I am doing what I'm doing. I mean, I do work with FIFA and I'm just a guy that's currently sitting here in my bedroom talking to you guys, you know, on a, what day are we on? Monday afternoon. It's great <laughs> and I love it. But then at the same time, I'm going like, oh, FIFA said, you want to come to the best awards? And I saw, I saw Luka Modric pick up his golden ball or whatever it is that he gets. Very, very cool. And I, and I highly rate that. And I want to do more of those big kind of projects. And that's the thing I'm kind of aspiring to be. You know, I know that unfortunately at some point I probably do have a shelf life and that my life, you know, this kind of time on YouTube and TikTok will come to an end. But when I started it, I wanted to have it as a place to showcase what I can do and these cool events that I was going to right back when I was doing stuff with Pro Direct. I was lucky enough to meet Neymar, the big original Ronaldo. I've met some very, very big names and some very cool people doing what I do. But I want to have a place to showcase that. And that's what my kind of what I would aspire to be is just continue to do what I do. And at the end of it, if there is a time where it comes, I have literally just got a massive portfolio of all these really cool things that I've done um, and these very cool people that I've met and worked with. And that kind of is what my goal is, is just to continue to build this massive portfolio. You know, the fact that I've got 20,000 subscribers, touch, you know, right, laugh, thanks very much. But I want to be able to just do what, what I'm doing it. And really enjoy it and and look back on it uh, look back on it and again have the same thing no regrets and just be really proud of what i've done and and obviously covid's kind of dented that of course because obviously you can't go and see anyone you can't go and meet anyone the opportunities don't necessarily come around but when it does i just want to make it count i want to make it matter and uh to be fair I, to be fair to myself and give myself a pat on the back so far i think i've done it no you've done, you've done some great stuff so far though just a quick thing on soccer i am uh Myself and George were lucky. Oh, enough. here we go. Here we go. Every, <laughs> myself and, every yeah. week, does it? Well, myself and George were lucky enough. A few, uh, actually, fair enough. Back in 2012, um, we went on the uh, we went on Soccer AM in the in the Luther Blissett stand uh, for the for the FA Cup final episode. So it was like yeah. half Chelsea, half Liverpool, uh -huh. and uh, I, I was I, I managed to score in the Premier League trophy, and uh, I, and I was the only one that did it. So yeah, just just, like to, just like just like to remind George of that. But yeah, it's, it's a great it's a great program. So mm. I mean, I'm it's definitely something to you know aspire to be on so great it's great so now craigo knows about it and he's what which one is he on the list of how many people know about that story yeah <laughs> mate well you've got to let him know mate it's my claim to fame i've scored on, I've scored on soccer m not everyone does that the thing is is i generally at some point will spend time and i will look back at try to find that moment because i always loved those car park games they were brilliant oh, I mean, i've got, I've, got good. I've, I've, I've still got the video so I'll, I'll upload it to youtube and we can let oh yeah yeah. yeah we'll send it over yeah 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 that's oh, fine. God. <laughs> God, i'll leave you two to it, I'll see it <laughs> but yeah no just uh just to finish up then last sort of five or so minutes just got a couple of quick fire questions you know that have been sent in um and we're just going to kick that off First one, quite topical from the Aston Villa game. Obviously, there's a new uh, Mason Mount banner that was um, unveiled in 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 the stands uh, over the mm -hmm. weekend. Um, so, quite surprisingly, it received some negative publicity from certain so-called Chelsea fans. I mean, what's what's your kind of reaction to that news and the fact that you know there's been a bit of negative reaction to it? And what's your reaction to the banner in general? 
it's the best banner I've seen in quite a while. It's a fantastic banner. Um, anyone that's proper Chelsea appreciates it. And and I think there were certain people that have, you know, certain Chelsea fans that have got themselves caught up in the whole Lampard debate, which is why, again, it got so passionate and emotional and whatever. You know, people are entitled to their opinions and I, I don't care necessarily what they are. I know what mine is, which is what Lampard did for Chelsea by bringing in players like Mason Mount and Reese James and Tamori and whatever is a massive part of this club and it will be a big part of it for the future as well. And I'm very grateful for that. But the message that the, this banner sends is everything that I think Chelsea should be about. You know, is it a bit early for Mason Mount? Yeah, probably. But he had a dream. He wanted to win the Champions League and he's done it. Now, people can go, we're celebrating Mason Mount's career and this is what he's done and this is it and blah, 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 blah. We're making him a legend from the word go. No, you know, we've got a hell of a lot of academy players that are playing currently at Chelsea, currently abroad, on loan, wherever. They are going to be great players in, in years to come. And, and it's a perfect opportunity to just inspire a generation, you know, and inspire people to really, if they really want something, to go and get it. It's called hard work. And that's why Mason Mount's reached the top of his game. It's why Reese James has reached the top of his game. Um, and, and that's what I love to see. I want to see these players really come into their own. And Mason Mount getting his own banner isn't only about Mason Mount. It's about everything that the club stands for. And I think if you've got a problem for it, just deal with it. You know, it's not going to just stop because you've had a moan on social media. I think it's terrible backlash. It, it, it makes no sense at all. The club are very proud of it. Mason Mount's very proud of it. Jody Morris is very proud of it. People want to see it and it's happened. It's fantastic. I'm also seeing there's another banner that's being kind of raised money for at the moment, um, which is going to go down the shed end. It shows kind of the whole history of Chelsea. You know, if you've got a problem with any part of that, deal with it. You know, that's part of us. That's part of who we are. And this, again, this banner for, for Mason Mount, it goes way beyond Mason Mount. The boy who had a dream. Anyone here has a dream. You know, I've got a dream to play for Chelsea. It's not going to happen, you know, but there are kids there, you know, five, six, seven, eight years of age, you know, right the way up to 13, 14, 15, maybe even older, that have that aspiration to play for the first team and to score goals and bring the best for Chelsea Football Club. Do it. You know, go and show us. Go and do what it is. And again, same thing with the YouTube. Don't work out. You can say you tried. And it's a real positive message. And if people don't agree with it, that's their problem. Yeah. 100%. I mean, it's a positive. You shouldn't, if, you, if you've got a problem with that, just say, don't support the club or don't, you know, don't go to the games, you know. It's like mm. all the things to have a problem about with a football club, a banner just seems ridiculous. But, you yeah. know, it, you it gave is... Him it, a if you gave him a statue, even I might have gone, oh, okay. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's yeah, John that's Terry hasn't got one. Drogba hasn't got yeah. one. Chick hasn't got one. Lampard hasn't got one. Yeah, it's a flag. Yeah, yeah. It's a flag. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous, really, when it comes down to it. Yeah, moving on to the next one quickly. I'm slightly away from Chelsea. How excited are you to see Cristiano Ronaldo back in the Premier League? Oh, I was saying to you guys just before we came mm -hmm. on, I'm a season ticket holder for the first time in my life. Yeah. And I have been trying to plan a trip over to Madrid or Turin or wherever it be to watch Ronaldo. He's very much on my bucket list. And now I'm going to see it. Um, it's, it's, of course, it's a double-edged sword because he's going to play against my team. But, you know, I'm a football fan. You know, I'm a football fan. I want to see the best players I can. I was very lucky uh, when I was 15 years of age. I was volunteering at a, a football tournament and I met Zinedine Zidane. I was working and I, I met oh, Zidane. Oh, wow. Yeah, exactly. That reaction is what I want to have in 15 years' time when I'm having, you know, my kids and whatever. And I went, oh, yeah, you know that Ronaldo fella? You know the one that was really good? I saw him live. Because I've seen Messi live. I've seen Neymar live. I've seen 
you know, Hazard. I've seen Zlatan. I've seen these really big, big players. I've seen all these people play. I haven't seen Ronaldo. And I don't know how long it is that he's going to be continuing for. Now I'm guaranteed to see him. And that's just fantastic news for me and, you know, and my life because I'm a football fan. I want to experience it all. And just one last one to wrap up with. Sorry, I haven't been able to get them through all of them, guys. They're quite an interesting one. I'll get both your thoughts on this and I'll give mine as well. Who do you think is going to win the Golden Boot this year in the Premier League? We've obviously got a lot to choose from. Some big-name strikers. Obviously, Harry Kane's always up there. Mohamed Salah, who uh, obviously reached the 100 Premier League goal mark this weekend. Lukaku back in the mix. Craig, I'll come to you first. Who, you, who do you feel is going to win that Golden Boot? I do generally think it will be Ronaldo. I yeah. do think it will. Um, I, I think the way that Man United play is perfectly set up for him. And I think he's going to score goals. He doesn't necessarily have to score rockets every single week. He doesn't have to score headers every single week. He will score a hell of a lot of tappings. But come the end of the season, no one cares. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point. George, who, who do you feel? Um, I'm just going with, with logic, really. I'd tip Chelsea to win the title. So I therefore think that we'll have the, with the top goal scorer. And I think Lukaku, just as uh, Craigo said, that Ronaldo is perfect for them. He seems to be the perfect fit for us. And maybe he's got more of a role bringing others into play as well. But I, I just think he's going to certainly go 15, 20 and beyond. And at that point, you know, he'll be right in the mix, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I think I picked Lukaku to win the Golden Boot when we've done some Premier League predictions before the season started. So I'm man of my word, I'm going to stick with it. I think. Yeah, I think he will score the goals that will fire Chelsea to the Premier League. So I'm going to go with Lukaku. But I think Ronaldo will, will go close, providing he stays fit and, you know, United provide him with, with the service, etc. Um, yeah, I mean, Harry Kane, Mo Salah, they, they could go close. I think Salah always scores a lot of goals. I think what rules him out for me is the fact he's going away for a month in January for the African Cup of Nations, missing a lot yeah. of games. That mm. probably rules him out. Um, and I just think Harry Kane... Yeah. And I yeah. think Harry Kane, for me, not getting his move, that his mindset, as much as he says he's fully focused, I just think he perhaps isn't quite going to be as on it as he usually is. He'll still get a few, but no golden boot for me. But yeah, that brings the questions to an end. George, just anything to wrap up with? Well, we did a slightly different take, quite an inspiring uh, podcast. So for anyone out there who's listening and thinks, you know, they're really passionate about football, but they, they don't know where to start. I mean, Craig is the perfect example of someone who's always passionate on the channel. And um, we will leave um, plenty of information on our on our posts below with, with where you can find all his content on all the platforms. So um, please stick around to watch that. But Craig, thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure as always. And thank you to my co-host, Charlie Patrick. Um, yeah, and just... Really enjoyed that one. So thank you both for joining me on another episode of the Blues Brothers podcast, guys. No, thanks very much, guys. Thanks. thanks.